In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear Christian friends, across all of our Bible readings this morning, we've heard one common theme. It's the picture of light and darkness, right? The drastic difference between light and darkness. It's something that that everybody understands because they can't coexist. They are complete opposites of one another. And sometimes we forget that light is actually really powerful. I like to remind or tell our, our Colorado visitors, if you are in the sun, it feels warmer than you'd expect. And if you are out of the sun, if you're in the shade, it feels cooler than you would expect because the, the light that comes from the sun is full of heat and warmth and, at this altitude, intensity. Light is powerful. It, it has the power to chase away the fears of uncertainty that, that lurk in the darkness. It lifts our mood and our spirit. It prepares us uh, for life and for action. It enables us to walk around without stumbling and seeing where we're going, light is actually very powerful. And it's because of the drastic differences that are so clearly seen and so easily understood that God uses the pictures of light and darkness to teach really important spiritual truths. Quite simply, God wants us to understand the reality of our darkness by nature, and the beauty and power of the light of Jesus, that he shines into our lives to change our hearts, and to change our lives. Let's hear that light shining forth, Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, and their father Zebedee, with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So as we find Jesus this morning, it it might be a little bit like, 
wait, what just happened, right? Last Sunday, we heard John the Baptist point to Jesus and say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And today, we pick up, and John is in prison, and Jesus is leaving the area. And it seems like, wait, what just happened there? It's important to know that the gospel writer Matthew didn't write for modern-day Americans necessarily where, where everything in our lives is, is organized by time, right? He didn't write a, a moment-by-moment chronological order of Jesus' life. Matthew wrote for a Jewish audience, and as a result, he wrote things, including things and emphasizing things that were especially meaningful for a Jewish audience. It's why he begins his gospel in a way that that sounds kind of strange to us. He, he goes back to a genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus, all the way back. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, tracing Jesus' family line, the fulfillment of promise. Because that's the other big thing that Matthew emphasizes. Writing for a Jewish audience that would know the Old Testament scriptures, Matthew connects the dots showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise and prophecy again and again and again and again. And that's actually what he's doing here. This mention of Jesus leaving Judea and going to Galilee was not because Jesus was afraid of being put into prison of the same fate as John the Baptist, since both King Herod and and um, Rome were in charge of both regions. Jesus was actually going to Galilee, specifically to Capernaum, which was now going to be his home base, to fulfill a promise that God had made long ago through the prophet Isaiah. See, this region in Galilee was a part of the tribes of Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they were tribes that had never fully taken control of the land that they lived in. So as a result, there were were always foreigners moving in and bringing their own culture, but also bringing their own gods and religions. This area also bore the brunt of the military conquest by the Assyrians, and the people who survived that conquering, many of them were taken into captivity to live in Assyria, which allowed, again, further resettlement and paved the way for more, uh, not just, again, other cultures, but other religions to influence the believers still living in that area. So as a result... This area, Zebulun, Naphtali, had been, had been wandering from God before most of the other tribes in Israel had done so. Which is why Isaiah's message, 600 years before, was such a radical one. That the light of the Savior, the light of God's salvation in the Messiah, wasn't going to just come for the who's who, It was going to be for all people. That the Savior was going to come and and share the good news, share salvation, not just in in the people who were in the know, not just the people who went to the temple every day in Jerusalem, 
but to even the spiritually darkest regions. I want you to imagine for a moment that you went to a a huge gathering at an event, uh, a a massive concert or a, a sporting event, and during that event, the lights went out. Which sounds kind of silly, except if you remember 10 years ago in the Super Bowl, that exact thing happened, right? So imagine you're at this ma- in this massive crowd of people and poof, plunged into darkness. How do you feel? What do you think? If the emergency lights didn't kick on, almost immediately there would just be chaos, right? Most people would be completely terrified. Trying to move at all in any direction would be completely unguided, right? There'd be all kinds of collisions and and tripping and falling and bumps and bruises and, and maybe even worse. And there'd likely be some people who would take the cover of darkness to steal, to fight, or even worse, it would be a, a, a scary and terrible thing for a whole bunch of reasons to be in this massive crowd of people in complete darkness. And that's the picture that Isaiah paints for us, right? In, in the land of Galilee, right? This people living in darkness and the, sh- the land of the shadow of death. Well, this darkness is, is a concept that even the most basic Star Wars fan understands, right? This is the darkness of evil. This is the dark side. It's the darkness of sin. It's the darkness of sin that ultimately leads to death and separation from God forever. But that land of darkness, it's not limited geographically to just Galilee, and it's not limited chronologically to just this time frame in the history of the world. I mean, I think this pretty accurately describes the the world that we live in, don't you? Where, look around and, and you'll see just unvarnished selfishness. Abject greed. The abuse in any and every way of every single good gift God has given. And the crazy part is, it's just, well, that's the way the world is. And the way that we use our mouths, right? To lie, to gossip, to curse. That's just the way people talk these days. But maybe you don't, right? So maybe you think, yeah, yeah, that's out there. Eh, not so much in here. This isn't me. But take just a, a look in the spiritual mirror of God's word for a moment. Try to think of how many lies you have not only told, but that you have lived. Try to think, try to count in how many times in the last just few days you have just given way to selfish thoughts and me-first actions and see how quickly you run out of fingers and toes to count on? Are you different than any other sinner? 
We desperately want to think so, but the reality is that you and I, like every other human being, were born into the spiritual darkness of sin in this world. And the reality is that it leaves us feeling incredibly weak and even helpless when it comes to fighting the attack of temptation that comes, from, that comes at us from all directions. And then we hear Jesus go out, preaching the word, right? Letting the light of the gospel shine, and what does he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Huh, repent. Literally, Jesus is is challenging us, calling us to change our hearts and our minds and then to change the actions to follow suit, right? That's what repent means. He's calling you and me to change the way that we think, the way that we think about sin. Not excusing it, not downplaying it, not, yeah, but, you know, I kind of like that one, so I'm going to keep that one around and hold on to it and, and hide it from others. To change our hearts and our minds from taking pride even in our sin when we are unkind and unloving to others. To change our hearts and our minds to fight against and reject the sinful temptations that, that bombard us. To change our hearts and our minds to guard our mouths and mind our tongues instead of just saying whatever we think we can say. And to change your life to follow those changes in heart and mind. Sounds great, doesn't it? You might have even said, you know, this year I really want to work at this. I want to, I want to get tough. I want to stop this. I want, to, I want to try to cut this out of my life. And it's not just carbs, right? But it's a way of talking, a way of acting, a thing you do. But boy, how many times have you tried and failed? Because the reality is that changing behavior is really hard. It's like this baby step process that takes a lot of time. And, and that's behavior, but, but to change the, the pull of your heart to that temptation that gets you every time, to change the, the way you think about that temptation that, that you don't really hate all the time. That sounds impossible. How are you going to do that? Well, with the strength that you and I have, that failed and weakness that has gotten us these results, you're right. It is absolutely impossible. But the new strength that Jesus gives us makes it very possible. Because that is the light that shatters the darkness, that shatters the doom and gloom that surrounds our lives, that surrounds and fills our hearts. Jesus came as the light of the world, proclaiming the good news to those in Galilee and to those here today. 
See, our new strength comes from that gospel message. The good news that Jesus is your Savior, that he lived perfectly in your place, that he died for all of your failings and sins, every last one of them, that they are all completely gone in God's eyes. And, and that, that good news, it, it lightens you, Right? It shines the light of hope into your heart. It shines the light of, of peace into your life. And it actually gives you the strength to fight against temptation. Because Jesus has called you by the light of his gospel. He's called you to be his child in your baptism. He's washed you and covered you. He's wiped away every stain and wrinkle and blemish so that you get to stand before him holy and perfect. Not trying to, to fight temptation out of guilt or I have to prove or some kind of earning a performance bonus. But because you are a perfect and holy child of God who has been bought with the blood of Jesus your Savior. That's the strength that you have to be God's child and to know that your Savior loves you and that it's His power that works in us to live for Him. His power is what enables us and strengthens us. And did you hear how that took place? Right? I mean, we have some incredibly powerful examples in this scripture reading alone as Jesus calls two pairs of brothers to follow him. Peter and Andrew, James and John. Can you imagine that? They, they leave their, their work, their livelihood, their own father, their boat, and they follow Jesus. Not because he made a, a promise of, of fame or fortune or status, but because he shined the light of the good news of Jesus the Savior on them. And they did what the essence of discipleship is. They followed. Because that's what the light of the gospel does. It enables us and it strengthens us to follow Jesus. There's a woman that I met a whole bunch of years ago. None of you know her. Different state. And when I first met her, I, I was given two names to call her. And I asked her about them. Why two? Is one just a nickname? And she said, no, one of them was the name her parents gave her when she was born. The other one is the name that she took when she became a priestess of Satan. She owned a witchcraft store, read tarot cards, like the whole deal. But she also had a friend who was outside of her normal circles who cared deeply about her and who let the light of Jesus shine, who told her about Jesus, her Savior, and invited her to come and, and hear more. And she did. And she heard what Jesus had done for her, and she believed. Contrary to everything she had been teaching and doing for years, she believed that Jesus had paid for all of her sins. 
She knew how many they were. And she trusted that they were all forgiven in Christ. And the light of the gospel, it changed her. It changed not just what she believed, although that was hugely miraculous in and of itself, but it changed her life that followed. She sold her store, so she had to go and find an entirely new means of income. And then she had to find a new community and new friends because her old ones considered her to be a traitor. But for her, it was all worth it. Because she was living in the light. Living in the light of Jesus that had shined into her heart and life. The light of the forgiveness of sins. The light that changed her heart and her mind and her life. And maybe you think that this woman is, wow, that's, that's pretty miraculous. That's kind of an extreme example. Maybe you think that, that Peter and Andrew and James and John immediately leaving behind their families and their livelihood to follow Jesus is kind of an extreme example. But I look around this room and I see much the same. People who were once wandering aimlessly in the dark. People who, who didn't have a hope. People who were lost in the darkness of sin. And people who have seen the light. People on whom the light of the gospel of Jesus, the good news that he is your Savior, it's shined on you. And it's brought you out of the darkness. And it's led you to know and to love and to live for Him. It's led you to be here today. It's led you to let that light shine in your life. It's led you to change your heart and your life when it comes to how you think about sin and how you handle falling into sin. That you know instead of running from God, you run to Him. Instead of trying to hide something that can't be hidden from God, you make it known to Him. Instead of trying to, to muscle your way out of this all on your own, you rely and you trust in the strength of God and the forgiveness won for you on the cross. I see people who now live in the light of the good news that Jesus has made you his own. But change can be hard. It can be scary because, well, what's on the other side is unknown. It, it can be hard because it can push us out of our comfort zone. It can, it can challenge us and even force us to do things that we didn't think we were capable of all on our own. But this change that Jesus has called you and me to as his children, it's not unknown and it's not scary. It's not even impossible. Because it's not your strength that's accomplishing it. It's not your will. It's not your power. It's not your doing. It is the power of God in you. It is the light of the gospel that has called you 
to know him. It is the light of the gospel that has forgiven you and that empowers you to simply follow Jesus. Because he gives you the strength to do just that. Amen.